Hey guys, this is my first episode, which is super exciting, um, a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, I've just been playing around with the testing uh, to make sure that it's got good sound quality. Um, so yeah, I am Chantelle O'Connor. I am the business owner of Cosmic Chantelle, uh, which is Cosmic Bloom Coaching. Um, and I thought I would just start this podcast just for something to, you know, to kind of, it's really good for me to talk as well, um, about what I do and about what I've learned maybe over the past few years. Um, and also just to hear from you guys, um, and, uh, you know, what you want to hear each week, um, and yeah what you want to learn so today I thought I would start with the topic of healing um so so yeah healing is a funny one um and the reason I titled it just just doing our best to heal is because I think we can have uh, a lot of external pressure to be fixed or we suddenly think that we'll arrive at a point where we're um, complete almost and that there's no more work that needs to be done Um, which is really not what we are as human beings and as as spiritual beings as well is that the fact is that we always have room to grow um, and we will always have it sounds quite um, ominous this but pain purges so there will be lot times in your life that there will be things that are really really painful and the one thing I've learned is that if I don't surrender to that pain I kind of get dragged along um, and it becomes even more a kind of stagnant energy that I can't uh, seem to to shift properly or really work through because I'm resisting it, it in some way Um, And through my 20s, I was really good at resisting pain. I had a lot of, um, I had a childhood where I'm sure a lot of you can resonate. There were a lot of things that happened. You know, it was a good childhood, but it was also, there was also a lot of trauma within that childhood. And um, I think we all carry trauma, um, whether that's from school bullies or mean teachers or absent parents um you know that that kind of thing with when when you're a child it really children don't understand that it's not about them they take everything very personally almost um so it can be you're really a sponge at that point and those things can really go into the unconscious mind and you kind of perpetuate these patterns that reconfirm to you your your core uh, beliefs, for example, um, maybe you believe that you're not good enough. At some point in your childhood, you picked up that message from someone, and that was kind of reconfirmed through the things that and the behaviours that you then continued after that. To um, it's almost it's weird. It's almost like we want to prove to ourselves that our core beliefs are correct, even though they may be negative ones. Um, so that is, that is something that you carry for a really long time, um, until you bring it to the surface. And I definitely had 
some really negative core beliefs, um, you know, and, and I've really, I think what a lot of us do is, is turn to external things to try and control um, our feelings. I, I really felt that my feelings were totally overwhelming and would probably kill me because they felt too painful at points. Um, and so I began to control with food um, and that really led me down an eating disorder path. And I've heard it from so, so many women um, that almost the way of numbing out or um, avoiding our feelings can come from um, trying to fix on external things. So there can be food involved. You know, I later went into substance abuse, um, which I've also heard from, from many women I know that it's it's really a and um, when we numb out that pain, we actually just push it further down. Um, although we think that we've somehow come up with a solution and got rid of it. And that just isn't the case. Unfortunately, running from pain is only really feasible for a really short amount of time. And that really all came to a head for me when I was in my my sort of late twenties, and I I had um, I had experienced on and off anxiety and depression for a very long time, um, and um, also substance abuse and disordered eating. Whether that was you know starving myself to going into to sort of uh, binges, and um, I had really really toxic relationships in terms of my friends as well as. Um, the men that I chose in my life and it all kind of really came to a head of I actually cannot do this anymore the pain felt so overwhelming that I felt that I would not survive it Um, and I think that's that saying really of you know when we feel that um, the change has to happen. The, the idea of staying the same is too painful and we would rather take that leap of faith into the change even though it's terrifying and unknown and we're going to have to look at stuff that's going to be really shit for a while. Um, but that is is what I did. I started to go to recovery meetings. I, um, I had a lot of therapy and um, I started to really immerse myself in that kind of um, help from you know trained professionals I went private um, just because I felt sometimes the NHS couldn't provide for me um, maybe the counselling or the length of counselling that I needed um, which brings me back to my original point of um, our society loves to put time limits on pain uh, we do it with you know maybe we've been bereaved um, there's a t- sort of almost a time limit of the amount of compassionate leave we have um maybe with work and and also the expectations from other family and friends around when we should suddenly be over it um or you know even you know um trauma such as having a divorce a a bad breakup um and all of that really uh can really make us feel like healing is a linear process and that we should come to some um, you know, 
arrival point and be like, oh yeah, I've got it all together now. And that's just not how it works. I've had moments of, you know, incredible happiness and and contentment in my recovery. And I've also had really dark nights of the soul and real pain around things that, you know, I didn't actually know could be as painful as they were. Um, but the thing about pain is, and fear is that when you start to face that stuff, it really starts to dissipate, um, because it can't live, uh, in light, like it cannot live in, in being brought to the front. It, it, it thrives in darkness and secrecy and shame. And, you know, even me sharing on this podcast, there's part of me that's like, wow, this is, this is quite vulnerable for me. And I feel, God, you know, what about if old friends are listening to this and and will they think this is laughable and um, who am I to put a podcast out? You know, I get all of those thoughts as well come up um, that I'm not, I'm not entitled to take up space and that's not where I live anymore. Um, You know, it's about claiming my seat at the table and I think so many of us women don't do that, whether that's, you know, at work, at home, um, in our, you know, in our personal lives, in our relationships and, and saying like, I'm here and, you know, I'm willing to, to get real about stuff because that's the beauty of this process is I think as you keep going further and further along, you realize that you're just not willing to accept things that no longer work for you or behaviors from people who are maybe completely in their own stuff and their own darkness and and it's okay to say to someone this is not you know it's not okay for me what what this is what's happening here and you know saying that in my 20s would have been insane I never said you know I wouldn't say boo to a ghost it was just like I'll just accept this bad behavior because because on some level I felt that I deserved that bad behavior um but that's just you know, that comes into play when you're doing this work is boundaries around other people um, and boundaries around behavior and also boundaries around your own behavior. You kind of learn what is okay and what what's acceptable for yourself as well. Um, that was a huge learning curve for me. There were just some things that I did that were really self-destructive and actually made me feel, you know, really dreadful. So I... I stopped doing them, but that was a real learning of a pattern, um, you know, of breaking that pattern because things can feel really, you just, it feels really normal for you to engage in that really self-destructive behavior um, until it isn't normal anymore. But, you know, that again is a process. Um, I think when I first, you know, started to do this work, I felt like I needed to be perfect and actually, you know, um, perfection doesn't exist. It's not, it's not actually a thing. So, um, you know, for, for us to try and attain that or to think, okay, well now I've done this work here, that must mean that I'll never do this again. And, and actually I think things show up as tests and, um, you know, as, as, as thing as there to teach us almost um and maybe it isn't exactly the same as as what was the previous situation but it shows up in a slightly different form and then you think oh wait it's that thing again and um you know but that is the learning of of not beating yourself up and thinking god why didn't I see this and now you're you know totally blindsided by it that's 
that is um again the learning um and and the fact that we are doing our best it's really hard to be self-aware sometimes because you just know that you can't engage in certain things and um you're un- you're not willing to um bargain on on that you know you're not willing to kind of take down that maybe that integrity that you've asked yourself to to be in um to to maybe make someone else happy or you you get some sort of short-term gain from it but you know in the long run that you'll suffer um so that is again a process um so yeah for, for me um you know doing our best to heal is about we are doing our best and it isn't a linear process um and I think sometimes we just want to avoid pain because it's obviously painful and no one wants to be in pain but the growth is in the pain um and you know a lot of this spiritual work that I do is about surrendering a lot of things on a daily basis um it's about saying okay maybe I I'm trying to you know I'm in my ego for example and and I'm sending maybe emails I shouldn't be sending or you know I'm 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 trying I'm getting into this irritated state um and I'm and you know that's reflected in my tone and how I'm communicating with other people and it's about stepping back and saying oh it's that stuff again you know I'm looking for evidence that um you know maybe the world's against me or they don't think I'm good enough or, you know, and, and it comes into play a lot at work because I think sometimes at work we can um, be held up to this very uniform ideal across, you know, a whole company of this is what you should be doing. And of course, there has to be some, you know, consistency. I completely understand that. But I think we can still get into this like big shame culture. It's something that Brené Brown talks about that, you know, when people make mistakes or they, you know, they miss something or they, you know, it's not about, um, it's not about shaming them in that. And and I think that can still be really done in a lot of workplaces. There was a lot of, I worked in places that were just so, um, they ran on shame and fear and, you know, just so toxic. And that, is so detrimental to the people that work there. And and I think sometimes stuff like that can be almost catching. I remember working at a certain place and and I felt like I became more um like gossipy and mean and forgetting that maybe the other person was a human being um in her own stuff. Uh you know, I, I might not agree with the behavior, but, but I still got better at saying like, sorry, this isn't acceptable to me. Um, and that was huge for me because, you know, I didn't, I didn't say stuff like that. I just said, um, okay, I'll, I'll do that and I'll accept this. And, and, you know, there's, there's things now that I just, I just won't, you know, um, compromise on. Um, so again, you know, it's about, recognizing our own shame and recognizing that um that when shame comes into play at workplaces it's usually a projection of of just shame in the whole the company culture um I think you know it's I mean this year has changed a lot for the way that we work and and how we interact with each other and working from home so there's had to be a lot more trust I think for people 
uh, a lot less micromanagement. And I'm sure some people have really struggled in that. Um, you know, I think we, we really, um, yeah, we really do shame each other on a, on a regular basis at work. And that can be, it's so debilitating and it, and it feeds into every corner of our life if we're not careful about it, because, you know, we spend the most time at work. And so if that environment is, um, you know, hard and, and toxic and you never really know where you are, you don't know who's talking about who, that takes a huge, you know, a huge toll on your mental health. We, you know, we were built to be in packs almost. So if you feel like you're, you know, you're out the pack or, or um, you know, they don't think you're good enough for the pack, that can be really, really painful. And, and going back to what I was talking about beliefs is they can reaffirm all of that you know, reaffirm that, oh, I am not good enough because I've been rejected from this pack. But when you see the pack for what it is and the fact that, you know, I, I worked somewhere where they, the, the guy, the manager, like he almost, he created this group of, of really strong headed women and he almost pitted us against each other. So he felt that he could leave the pack to kind of, to, um, you know, like almost fish out the weak ones because the, the, we, they, but it wasn't that he had to actively do anything. It was the people in the actual pact would do it themselves. And, you know, and that created a lot of just really like, I don't want to say bitchy. I want to say like, just like, oh, like, yeah, toxic, like this toxic, culture of you know not knowing where you actually are and you know not feeling good enough and and that can really spill into other what I've just said really you know other things and you know I think it all starts with how we speak to each other and how we treat each other and don't get me wrong I know by means perfect I you know I notice now when I say things to other people that I think why did I say it like that or you know, I should have worded that better. I didn't really think about the other person in that. Um, you know, but I have that self-awareness and unfortunately not everyone is going to meet you there. So, you know, I think doing this work for me has given me a really strong anchoring point in my own, like, like soul almost. Like, I just have a place I can go where I know that I have my own back, um, you know, and, and regardless of whether I make a mistake, I don't do something perfectly, I, I forgive myself a lot more quicker now. I used to really persecute myself for that, you know, and someone, you know, my manager or something might say something in passing and, or could you make sure next time? And I would take it for days and I would, you know, stare at this thing and, and polish it and turn it around. And then it became this huge, like, you know, oh my God, you know, it would, I would catastrophize. I would go from A to to Z in this, you know, the space of like five seconds and, you know, the whole world was caving in and, you know, I always forgot, I never took on any of the good stuff, any of the good stuff that happened, I thought, or any of the, you know, the good work I did or the, or the praise I got for that. I never heard any of that because I was so deep in my shame and deep in my own pain that I, I was so in my core beliefs. I was living out the core beliefs on a, 
on a daily basis and um this is what I thought about yesterday actually when I did a yoga class I so you know having an eating disorder I mean think I think most women we all compare sometimes to each other because we've been brought up in that culture you know of magazines and you know and, and comparing ourselves to people thinking why don't I look like that and especially Instagram you know I think I've seen a little bit of a shift in Instagram recently of more like realness and that's been you know like a breath of fresh air but we still um we still really yeah we we really do put ourselves against these ideals that we think we should fit into like our body shape or our body weight or like how long our hair should be and you know just um you know what we should wear what makeup we should wear how our eyebrows should look and I'm guilty of still subscribing to this you know like cultural you know uh stuff I I still tap into that like really really I can do that really quickly um but I'm aware of it I, I no longer buy actually women's magazines um just because they seem to bring up so much stuff for me I just <laughs> I feel like I should suddenly go out and buy a Gucci bag and then and live off like diet coke for the next five days I don't I just I just and that's probably not what they've said behind that messaging or what they even mean but for some reason that's what I hear um so I've stopped doing that and um I still buy magazines but I buy different ones and I I think for my 20s I really so you know really bought into a lot of this stuff and um I felt like, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, then suddenly, you know, or I wasn't doing enough for, you know, and all of this stuff. And um, it's only through really recently, like hearing people just get really honest and vulnerable and, and say actually where they are, not where they think they should be or how they should appear to be. Um, so, yeah, that's been a, le- a huge learning curve for me. Um, but I, yeah, the, the, I think what I was trying to say is for women. Yeah, I was in this class yesterday. Sorry, I lost my train of thought, but I went off on a tangent. Um, I, um, yeah, and I, you know, I still do it. I, I was in this class. I felt overwhelming, potent fear because I hadn't been to like Bikram yoga for a very long time. So I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is a 90 minute class. Am I insane? It's 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. What am I doing here? You know, I'm I'm like sort of looking at the other women in the class thinking, oh my God, everyone looks like they really know what they're doing. And and uh, and then to my horror, I realized I positioned myself at the big, the front of the class. And I was like, oh, um, because the teacher came to the front. I thought, oh, my god um because when I started hot yoga I was at the back I would like hide at the back like I would get as close to the back wall as actual you know physically possible um and you know I was at the front and I was I was right in front of a mirror as well I didn't I never liked being in front of a mirror I didn't want to look in front of the mirror um but I you know I could see and what was interesting around me was the women around me were really concentrating on their practice and actually the woman was saying the teacher was saying look in the mirror at yourself look at yourself and these women were and I was kind of still like looking around because I almost felt embarrassed looking at myself it was this kind of vulnerability that you know I'm I'm still working through some body stuff it's nothing like it was it's still there but you know yesterday I was I started to go into the slight sort of compare and then shame and then you know wanting to hide and then I just asked myself like who would you be Chantel if you let go of all of this and I don't know whether that was me asking myself or or something above me just sending me that kind of message but 
when I, when I felt that, I thought, God, it would be a relief. Like I could really step into my power. And that's what I have been doing the past, you know, four or five years is really digging into my own power and, and being me and, and kind of accepting me for me. You know, I'm not, you know, the most beautiful woman in the world. I'm not a size eight. I'm, you know, I don't have long flowing locks, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's actually fine. But that's been a real, um, you know, a real gift actually, because I really did compare, you know, if, if someone was, you know, I had a bit of a crush on at work or something, was seeing someone and I, you know, I would get whiff of what she looked like. I'd go into total fear of like, oh my God, I'm never going to look like that. So then I would always think, well, and I'd also think in yoga classes at the beginning, I don't look like her. And there's people, there's women out there that look like that. So who would possibly want to be with me when they can have... And how awful is that really, if you think about it? That is completely, completely taking away your own value, you know, and your own... um space and like existence like you just merely make up you know um a number you're a statistic and because you don't look a certain way or or you're a certain size that means that you're irrelevant and that's how I had I almost perceived myself and and that was you know I could project that to other people as well and that was just not a good place to be and and since really kind of having the humility around you know, this is me and, and, um, and I'm cool with that is, it's actually been, I'm much cooler with other people, you know, I'm, I'm much more okay with their behavior or, you know, I don't sort of analyze people, how they look now, you know, I, I just have kind of stopped. And I think it's because I've started to accept myself, but you know, yesterday I stayed at the front. I, I didn't, I got out of that kind of all I could think through the practice then was like, wow, what would it be like if I just let it go? You know, that story that I've been telling myself since I was 11, that I'm, you know, I'm too fat. My, my stomach isn't tight. I don't have abs. Like, you know, all this, like, we just get this like narrative through our head of like, why does my bum not look like hers? And, and actually though, there was a real proudness there because when I did look in the mirror, I was proud of who was looking back at me as much as that might sound like a, you know, Mariah Carey lyric, no offense, Mariah Carey, um, I doubt she'll be listening, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, that actually, that's, like, growth for me, you know, just to not feel total shame, and that, you know, and that, but that, for me, is growth, but it's a process, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here today, I'm in a good space, I feel, I feel well, I feel good, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm on the, you know, I'm in my power, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm being authentic to myself and I'm, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm good. And, you know, that could change tomorrow. That could change next week because, you know, things happen in life and, and I have to kind of, I have, I have base points and this is really what my coaching is about as well is let's kind of keep these, let's build these base points. So when, you know, shit gets rough, you have a base to go back to, you have a space where you're like, okay, right. I need to kind of just, I need to take 10 minutes here. You know, I have, I have, I'm going to go meditate, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go listen to something. I'm going to go turn on a podcast. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do something that 
because I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to give myself space. I'm going to, I'm going to voice how I feel. That was huge for me because I just couldn't, you know, I felt like my problems were boring and, you know, there was no point talking, you know, talking about them anymore because, you know, especially some of the friends I had when I was younger, I remember just would really shut me down in that and, and kind of be fed up with listening to it. And that, you know, I guess that has a space because I was like a, you know, like a, a sort of broken tape almost. I was so, I was so stuck in, you know, my dad leaving and, and, and all of that abandonment stuff that that was just really what I parroted for a number of years. And it was, it was painful. And, and I was very like in a victim mode, but it wasn't growing pain. It was like stagnant pain that I wasn't moving through. But now I don't really touch on that stuff. I mean, there's space for that. Of course, you know, you know, your dad leaving and and other things are going to have an impact on you. And I have to acknowledge that. But, you know, when stuff comes up for me now, I, I have an inward, you know, again, the base points. I have the points where I can just go back to and be like, right, let's like break this down. What actually is this? Because there's a saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard it, if it's historical, um, if it's hysterical, then it's historical. And that for me is so, so true. So if I am suddenly freaking out, I'd say I've been on a date with Guy for like four, four dates or something, something's triggered me, something he's said or something he's written. And I'm in like full blown like, fuck, um, Oh, I just said the F word. I'm going to have to put an explicit thing on here. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, so I'm in like, you know, full-blown like shitville. I'm scared. And when I look behind that, I realise that, oh, wait, that's, that is my, that's my stuff. Behind the stuff is more stuff. And then behind this other stuff is fear and sadness. And then I can, I can go back to the original point and I can bring in something in my toolbox, you know, and, and think, you know, my metaphorical toolbox of, right, so what can I do here? What could really make me feel better? And, you know, building that space inside yourself, going inward is a huge, huge gift because there's so much of us, you know, um, there's so many of us and, and so much of our world is focused on external resources to fix us you know and and don't get me wrong they have a time and a place a hundred percent but I think you know if you I can't remember who said this but like if you don't want to save yourself you remain unsaved and that you know no amount of help or um or you know uh being carried or you know pushed along Um, is going to is going to like be able to hold you in that when because you'll be carried for a while and then people or things that were put in place will start to move and and kind of maybe swim away and and you're kind of there in the water like fuck I'm gonna have to like this is when I'm gonna have to dig deep And, you know, when we are in that space as well, when we are kind of swimming, 
without armbands almost and being like, okay, I'm going to have to just push through this and there's going to be choppy waters and I'm going to be in pain and I'm going to reach out for help. But ultimately, like I am going to have to to keep going. You you provide a bigger space for other people as well. So people, people are like, wow, okay, well, she's doing it. So like maybe I should start doing it. And, and and then we just create this amazing community of people where we can like listen to other people being vulnerable and in their own shame without, you know, without um, almost compounding it. You know, I think again, it's like Brené Brown. I mean, I absolutely love her. So if I, if I say her a lot, but she's like, you know, if a woman um, can sit with a man in his shame and vulnerability and don't quote me on this, I don't know if it's that quote, but, and if a man can do the same for a woman, these are men and women who have done their work, you know, they've done the work of, I have my shit, and you have your shit, and we can kind of meet each other in the middle with it, rather than we expect people to be a certain way, you know, and if they're not, you know, they can be, we can really struggle with that, because, um, we have our own, you know, our own stuff, our own, you know, we might have our own fears and we can project that onto the situation, I think. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, to sum up this, this episode, it's, it's really about seeing pain as a catalyst and as actually when we're in that pain, just kind of welcome it and surrender it and don't do too much to kind of, too much to kind of really suffocate it or repress it of course we do things in the moment that we need you know we we want to feel a little bit better I've definitely like you know made myself a cup of tea and had a twirl and been like I'm cool you know but (laughs) sometimes it's we need a we need to kind of just be doing that on a regular basis just being like okay I'm gonna have to take extra care of myself this week because I'm not feeling I'm not feeling myself you know and and but I have these base points to go to and I know that I will push through this um so yeah I hope that you guys enjoyed my first episode and um yeah and it, and I hope in some way that that's helpful um it's been really it's been really great to just talk and um hopefully that doesn't mean I love the sound of my own voice because uh, <laughs> I actually don't um but yeah it's just been great to to discuss pain and our healing and it's just so important especially I think collectively now we're in this real space of if we really take advantage of this this is where the healing can really you know, really start to happen on a global scale, um, which was, you know, I think maybe it goes in cycles. So I think we're just at the cycle point where it's like the tides are turning almost. But yeah, cool. Great to do it. And I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and um, hopefully I'll be doing another one. Okay. Bye guys.